All right, so we are live with Soccer Chat, and you you may notice if you are watching us on the live stream or are re-watching us on YouTube that it's just Jeff and myself, no Alex, and I'm going to be honest with you, I feel like he's he's letting the kids run the show, even though it's senior correspondent and producer, and, and that got me thinking, like, in my life, when was the time I was most worried about my kids running the show? And I think it's when I got a text from my daughter that said, hey, dad, um, I went ahead and I've been cleaning the house for you, which made me go, well, what did she do? Right. So I, I get home and the, the house is looking all clean. And the entire time I'm thinking there's got to be an ulterior reason. There's got to be an ulterior reason here. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Right. Because because no kid does that, especially no teenage child does that. And uh, I feel like that's just proof that I'm a terrible parent because. She hadn't done anything wrong, and I was confident for like days that wow. she had done something wrong, which just proves I am not a good judge of anything and should not be considered a expert for any reason. That or she is an expert at concealment, and you still do not know that, that what seems, really happened. That seems more likely. Soccer chat with two T's. Because we're going to chat about soccer, but we're also in Chattanooga. So it's like a play on words. And, you know, Chattanooga is a soccer city. All right. So here we are. We're back at it. And yeah, uh, yeah I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a little worried about the about what this is going to be like without Alex here to re, re you know get any either of us to stop talking because I think both of us could go on forever and ever. Uh, and I'm going to let Jeff. I'm going to let you be kind of the lead man and, and run the show and kind of be the host because you are our senior correspondent. And let's be honest, anyone who's ever watched Soccer in the South on YouTube knows you you, you know what you're doing. So. Uh, <laughs> I'll be the color guy for this. Uh, same thing when we get the opportunity a little bit later in the show to interview Ricky Ruiz. I, I'll be joining the interview for, I think, the first time this season. Not the first interview I've done. Uh, I think the first interview I did was uh, you know, way back with Tony Walls during March Madness back in 2019. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll let you I'll let you give us the lead. All right. Well, if it makes you feel better, if it makes you feel more comfortable, I could pretend that my audio is going out. Uh, <laughs> if you if you want to get that Alex experience. Oh, well done. Well, we well done indeed. All right. So it's been a couple days uh, this past weekend. Yet another emotional, uh, powerful match. Uh, come back from behind, and I got to say it's. We weren't sure we were going to get the win, but we did get the win, but it still felt like we were always in the driver's seat. So I was moderately worried, but, you know, it, uh, until we got that second goal, you were a little on, you know, held back. But I think the biggest difference with the Richmond match and Fort Lauderdale was the physicality. And I was, I was concerned that some of our players were actually going to get hurt because it did look like both teams were, were ready to go at each other. It's like you're, you know, it's like two kids that grew up together and are not going to hold back. And that's one of the things about the Richmond match compared to Fort Lauderdale is um, I think they were willing to go toe to toe a little bit more. And I'm thankful we didn't get any injuries out of that. Uh, so what do you think about the physicality there, Adam? Yeah, it was definitely a, a physical match. I mean, it was hard at the stadium to tell it. Was it really physical or were they just really good at falling down? Um, there was definitely a feeling that, a lot of the players seemed to be easily moved around uh, that didn't really match the size of the player, if that makes sense. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't care for, well, he's too big to fall down argument. Like the fact, you know, think basketball, like Shaquille O'Neal never got calls against him, even though he was constantly being fouled. And so I, I don't really buy into that, but at the same time, I kind of feel like, that they wasn't as physical as some of their players made it seem, but from a television's for standpoint, which is how you watched it. You yeah. Oh, I think one of the things that stood out was partly the physical, but also just the, the confrontational element, uh, the yeah. getting in your face uh, seemed to be a little higher for this game. And maybe it's just that we know them too well. And we played uh, some really tough games in the past. So I think that probably had a factor. 
I also know that um, their um, our growing crowd can great on the away team. I know it it does great on their coach, which probably trickles down. Uh, so, did you hear you know, how much? About- how much of that do you think is related to how close to the field CHI Memorial Stadium allows the fans to be? Do you think yeah. that it gives us the advantage of being able to get in their heads, or do you think it's just because we have some incredibly loud, you know, f- you know, fans? What you know, whether you're thinking cowbell fans, where you're, whether you're thinking just um, in general, like, is it because we're so close? I think I think it's the closeness is the main factor because. We haven't reached our apex of obnoxiousness yet. Uh, <laughs> we have so much to grow, and we and we see the potential with that. It's just getting started. One, we're going to be now that the parking is is expanding. We're going to be able to get some more in there, and we're going to get more organized. So I do That's think that the loudness. And the obnoxiousness in the organization is going to improve, but I think it's a proximity that's throwing them off a little bit. Yeah, we saw that last year, but it was such a smaller crowd because of COVID, so they're not used to that. But I also know it's going to be a short-term thing because eventually they're going to get used to playing. Okay, we're in a cage match. That's basically CHI Memorial. It's a cage match. Yeah, and, and the one thing I will say about the fan base, which I appreciate, is they do it in a manner that is not disrespectful of the players. You're not. Right. You're not dealing with people that are yelling obscenities or, or or degrading the players. Now, there's definitely times when we think a player flop that you're going to hear, you know, get up or you're faking it or, oh, look, it's a miracle. He can stand like things like that. But that's that's not I don't think of that as disparaging the player. I think that's just disparaging that part of the game. Right. The gamesmanship um, and a prime example of this behind the, you know, the supporter section is right behind the the goal. Yeah. And Fitzy, who is the goalkeeper for Richmond, has always been a a really good guy yeah. when it comes to respect to the fans for for giving him a hard time in a good manner. Like he he turned and clapped to the fans at the end of the game, basically to say thank you for for a good match. Um, there was definitely a part where a fan, when they announced at the 80th minute that it's the last chance to get beer, one of the fans yelled, "You want me to get you one, Fitzy?" And he he smirked. So I, I knew he heard. Right and. <laughs> And so that was well done by that fan. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a big part of it. And and not only that, but when these when the team scores, they don't just celebrate in the middle of the field. They they run over to where the fans are and they're celebrating right in front of the fans. So I think it the the team appreciates the atmosphere that it creates as well. Yeah, I have a feeling that you know when the game's over, there's a lot of respect between our two sides. And yes, they're willing to, to get each other's face and a little bit more than maybe some other teams. But um, I think we respect them as players, respect them um, for, you know, for and then the fact that they gave us such a good game. And Akira Fitzgerald, I think he's class. He's he's one of, you know, and he's again and again. So that is good to see if they could just work on getting some of their other players to not, you know, lay on the on the job, that would be a little a little happier for us, but that's okay. So, yeah. uh, looking back at it, it still looks like things are working in a positive direction. Knowing we still have some players that still have to slot in, and uh, we haven't seen Rafa yet. We have a new player, which we'll cover a little bit later, coming in. And I think is going to have a big impact. Uh, we only get. Uh, portions of Marky for now and i'm hoping that that seems to be on the increase and only portions of walafi for now which so with those in 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 place i'm in a very positive view of what we're able to accomplish and something that alex brought up at off the post that really kind of stuck with me and is the fact that we showed great character in the not giving up and just scraping a win. Because when you have a hard-fought win, sometimes that's more impressive than a, than a blowout because yeah. you've got to muster everything out. And the fact that this is a fighting team that will do anything to get the win. So hats off. So uh, that's what i got to say about uh, uh, the, the Richmond match. Do you got anything else for the Richmond match? Yeah, so I'm going to plug uh, another BGN.FM podcast, River City 93. Yeah. Yep. Um, and uh, Elliot Barr, this, that's the uh, the Richmond Kickers podcast. Um, they did like a 45-minute review of the game. I mean, 
some of it's about other things, but for the most part, they're talking about the game um, on their review. I think it released on Monday or Tuesday of this week. And uh, one of the things he talked about was after that first half, they really felt lucky that they weren't losing. And then when they went up, they were like, if we get away with a win here, we're stealing it. And then they talked about feeling like a, a tie would have been almost a victory. Cause so they were very much the same way we were. We, they felt we dominated the game. And that's my takeaway from this is we still don't have Rafa, who I think is going to have a significant impact. Um, we're going to mention the new player later on, so I'm not going to give too much away there, but that new player is an, is an attacking midfielder. Yeah. And I think that's an area that we could see opportunity for, for a better situation. The way in which Coach Obleda has built this team, uh, the attacking midfield is vitally important. So to be where we're at, to be 3-0-1, when we haven't played our best games yet, we haven't had our full array. I think Rafa, I think the vision is for Rafa to be a 80 to 90 minute guy in night in, night out is the, probably the plan that was for him earlier in the year before injuries hit. Um, I don't know that Marky was that. I think Marky will continue to be, even as he gets to full strength, he, we may see him for a, maybe a little bit earlier, bringing him in a little bit earlier, and we may see the occasional start. But I think he is that super sub. And I think that's the big thing that I take away when it comes to him is when he comes in, he changes the game. We, I mean, even in this game, he may not have had the direct assist, but he was directly involved in both of the buildups that either led to the, um, the free kick or led to the goal overall. Um, and so I, I feel like that's a good spot for him. He's got a lot of speed and he, and that speed becomes even greater when it's going against tired legs. Yeah, well, I think uh, grouping with that, I see some of that same qualities of the game changer himself, Ricky uh, Ruiz, that he's a he's not necessarily going to get the stuff that's going to improve his stats, but he's going to be setting things in motion, and he's going to be creating openings, creating chances, yep. throwing the other team off of their off their game, so they have to react. And so, it might be some good questions we could ask uh, Ricky about what's going through their head as they're trying to disrupt them. <laughs> and so I do think that they are both very talented with that. And it's just, uh, I, I do think that he probably is the most effective going back to Marky coming off the bench when the other team's not tired, but then they think that they know who we are, but eventually, you know, the more we're going to play them, they're going to expect that. And uh, yeah. so, and I know that uh, Coach Jimmy is going to con continue to try to throw things at him, but the the biggest thing right now is I don't think I've ever seen a Red Wolves team have this much hunger. Um, and it, well, I saw it in, an improvement on that from the first year. I think we were we were um, we were impressive, but we weren't. Um, we were satisfied for just to do well. And the last year we needed to push and this year it's full blown. If you're yeah. not throwing everything into it, you're failing. And that's just that kind of attitude. And, uh, and if nothing else, even if we don't, when we haven't seen a, a red wolves loss this year, and hopefully we won't for a while, but if they do, I do want to see them go out in a blaze of glory when they get their first loss. It better be one that there was no question that there was nothing else that they could have done. Yeah. And I, that's the, and I think that that's the coach, right? I think that is Obleda to a T like he, he puts it all out there. He expects his team to do the same. And so far we're seeing that. And I don't see any reason to think otherwise, when you look at who he's building the team around, when you look at the aggressive style, he doesn't try to hide what he's doing, right? He's, he's putting out a four, four, two, and he's challenging them to, to, you know, come beat me. And uh, you know, and I think, He's put a lot of pressure on that defense because he's hot running that high press. And so far the defense has, has stood up and done what it needs to do. Um, Mora Mora has definitely helped with that. Um, but I, you, you can't take anything away from these guys. Uh, I think Ricketts has become a, a stable uh, force there on, on the backside. I think you're seeing the same thing with, with some of the other new guys. I think Ramos as he has slowly started to slot back and, and working with Navarro. I I've been happy with it. Um, the loss of Luna for a little while, I think, is worrisome. But yeah. I, I think, you know, the patchwork that was put in his place, it, it worked. Um, yeah. But I think that's not a long-term solution. Right. And so I think the back line is one that um, 
if we had Ramos be able to be every match back there, I would feel a little more comfortable. But he's very adaptable, and he's kind of yeah. filling in for Wally until Wally gets in. But, yeah, I will feel a little better when Ramos can play the whole 90 minutes in the back, uh, whether with Jorge or Navarro. I think he's he's done quite well. Uh, but I want to go back to the front now. And one thing, another thing I was thinking about this week was that sweet Galindra's goal because yeah. we saw him so close on a few chances already. And he had his starting spot for the first two matches, then lost the starting for the next two, but came off the bench. And it's kind of like, I do feel that him and Blake are so evenly compatible that you could slot them as, as they have. But I really hope that his, his goal, it was a very, um, I think it was technical. It was, it was a lot of confidence and, uh, and I'm hoping we're going to see more from one Galindra. So I'm wondering, um, as we go in, are we going to be seeing more of that or is that going to be a little while for him to get his footing? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I, 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 you are starting to notice a difference between, between him and Blake though. I think mm -hmm. Blake, while he is a big guy and I think he's very good aerially, he doesn't quite command the space in the same manner that Tonke does. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, part of that is, you know, he's a lot smaller guy, you know, broad shoulder wise, it's just kind of looks a lot thinner. Um, and, and Tonke is rightfully nicknamed because yeah. he looks like a tank. Like he's just, um, a big guy who takes his space and that, that turn goal, it was really good. Like I, when I saw it live, I thought it had skirted through some players. I've watched some, um, fan videos that have been put out there. Uh, that are from a different angle than what we got from the uh, the broadcast. It's a good turn. It's a good putting it right where he wanted it. It, it. There was no like hesitation. Do I go left? Do I go right? He went right to that far corner, and I. It's a good shot. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was that sense of a predator going to take down his prey. That's how I felt with that, and I think that is one of the differences. Is let's say that Blake's too nice. But there is that kind of killer instinct that I think Galindrez is going to bring. And I'm hoping as he gets his footing and knowing the rest of the players better, I think we're going to be seeing him on that attack, which, again, it's going to either be him pushing in a goal or creating something that someone else is who's 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 there going to get going to get the goals. Yeah. So I think I think our goals are going to be on the increase. I was looking at uh, some of the stats. And let me see. Oh, let me go to this here for on attacking here. Let me go to, I should have switched. Oh, you already did it for me. Yeah. We are leading in our conversion rate on if I, I'm going to back up here. So if we see that, yes, we only have seven goals, which is not too bad considering we've played much less. Yeah. And we've only done it out of 46 shots which is lower than should be expected. But the thing is our conversion rate of that is we are leading the league. So it's like Adam that we're um, being deliberate with our goals and we're, we're being more tactile. Uh, yeah. The only know, thing I would say to that is part of that is we've had some crosses that haven't met anyone on the other side. Yeah. Um, that, when you watch the buildup and you watch some of the crosses, you expected there to be someone there that just never even got a shot off. Um, but when we're getting the shot off, it's good to see that high conversion rate because you got to believe that eventually we're going to start making a better, doing a better job of connecting with our, uh, with those passes because we're connecting really well from the back to the midfield. It's just that very last leg. I feel like we're, we're missing a, a piece and, and then that piece is probably Rafa Minsigan. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's a good number to have. Uh, now, looking at this now, this is the comparison for the next team. But I do when we're looking at our crosses, we've had twelve successful crosses. Our accuracy is thirty percent. I haven't looked on here to see see it doesn't show up on here where our it shows our passing accuracy, but it doesn't it doesn't show how our our uh, cross accuracy is with the rest of the league. But I do suspect that that's somewhat low obviously it's much higher than south georgia but you know that's that's they're not having a very good start so that that's yeah. not a good a good comparison there but yeah i i think that area of the set pieces 
I think we're getting better at defending set pieces, and I we have to work on converting our set pieces. So real quick before before um, Ricky gets here, uh, one thing I would like to do is discuss a little bit about some of the other midweek games that have already happened. So we're recording this on Thursday, um, and there's been a couple of games that have already kind of occurred. And, um, you know, most recent one was, you know, last night with Union Omaha um, coming having a comeback tie with Toronto. Right. Is that correct? Ooh, I believe so. Correct? Yes. Yes. Um, in Arizona, uh, because Toronto is still not able to play in Canada because of COVID. Uh, did when you look at something like that, when you look at ties happening for for Omaha, a tie happening for Ford Madison and Fort Lauderdale midweek. Does what does that make you think when you when you take a look at some of these teams that are kind of right around the same area we are in the standings? Well, I do think that those ties are going to come back and are going to haunt people. And that's, you know, it's a it's a big difference between yes, a tie is a whole lot better than a loss because you get at least a point and the other player doesn't get 3 points. But you get enough ties, and I think this is something that hurt us for the first two seasons we were in. I think it's not turning those ties into wins is what kept us out of the playoffs. And so I think that's going to have that same factor. It's it's enough where – and it's going to be tight at that uh, cutoff for who's going to get the playoffs that I think there are going to be some teams that will not make the playoffs just because they couldn't get that uh, – uh, uh, draw to a win. Well, I, I will say that both of those draws for those teams were on the road. Um, mm. Omaha's been on the road a lot this season. Um, probably again, I haven't lived there for a few years, so it may have grown as as the valley has, but still, it is not in the Phoenix metro, so it's not in that massive area that sprawled out for Phoenix. Eventually, it may get out there, so it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. So it's uh, but. They do have um, a history in that area of hosting other teams uh, off seasons. In, in particular, it's famous for its um, um, for its spring training uh, for uh, baseball. And, and there are some teams that have been out doing this uh, training out in Casa Grande. So you've got some of that. And of course, the fans would come out and watch wh whatever team was there. So it's... But the funny thing is, I haven't looked at the numbers. I have to. I'm kind of curious if they are able to get more uh, fans there watching them than they do in Toronto, because their practice field that they play in in Toronto, COVID aside, is so tiny. I'm thinking that where they're playing now has at least that capacity, if not more. Oh, that's so, funny. Yeah, it, it, it's it's ironic, uh, but it's it's one of those weird things where the way the two sides are set up, especially if your two side is in the same town as you, you either have to be like on a practice field like they are in Toronto, or they play in your big stadium, which is completely empty, and that yeah. changes the atmosphere. I do think other teams, even though it's way too big for them, uh, North Texas has its own field. And it's in the Dallas metro area, but it's in the mid-cities. So I think that's far enough away uh, to where I think that's going to be beneficial. Fort Lauderdale, the stadium they're at is going to be just Fort Lauderdale's because it's not the permanent stadium for Miami. So, so. the thing is, they're getting no one for those games for Fort Lauderdale. Um, like I, I, I watched the game in the completely empty. Um, I looked at some posts that the Flamingos had put up. Yeah, yeah. Um, which are Florida-based um, fans of Madison. And, you know, they, they took the picture of themselves, but you look behind them, there's no one there. <laughs> like, <laughs> the place was completely empty. And even if even if they stay, I don't know if that's, if that's going to work as a, a true two-team in that stadium. I just well, don't see it. Right now, they have to establish their identity. It took us a little while to really build up our fan base and our situation is unique yeah. and so forth because we're, we're not operating in a monopoly. Some of these teams in the USL league one 
are the only game in town. So they don't have to face competition for uh, for teams in other leagues, whether above them, below them, or kind of somewhat side by side. So Fort Lauderdale, that might change when, when the Miami team plays in Miami. I don't know if that's going to change. But I wonder if if the people of Fort Lauderdale really identify that it's really their team and not the Miami two. So I don't know. I'm not on the ground. I don't hear as much on their interactions as on, on other teams. I I do notice the independent teams, their local fans uh, and supporters are a lot more active on promoting their club. And I, I, I I don't know if that's going a way around it, but I think if it's a thing where, the identity is different enough that they get the benefits of being a a um, reserve team for a major club, but still have its own place in the community. That could really work. And uh, but I think North Texas has done better with it. Fort Lauderdale has the opportunity, but they haven't taken it yet. But right now, I haven't seen really for New England and Toronto. I'm not seeing any differentiation between yeah. them and the MLS, and they're always going to lose in that competition. Yeah, and I don't want to go too far down this road, uh, but yeah. MLS did announce a that they yes. are – well, I guess they didn't announce it, but Jeff Jeff Reuter – I never pronounced his last name correctly – who is, does amazing work for the athletic covering the USL. Um, yeah. he, he leaked basically that they're going to be applying for a D3 – I would be shocked if teams like New England, um, Fort Lauderdale, Toronto don't go to that. I could see North Texas staying in the USL League One for at least a season or two because they truly seem to do a good job with utilizing the higher competition you get with not just playing a bunch of kids. Even though they're playing their kids, their kids are really good, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think a lot of the teams that are state that have stayed in championship are going to jump right at it. I don't see new. I don't see Red Bulls two jumping at it. The Red Bulls two are constantly a strong team in USL, and I think they would dominate an MLS Division three. But I think that's going to change the 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 setup of League One very quickly. I would be shocked if by twenty twenty four, assuming that they get this team up and running in, or this league in twenty twenty two up and running. Um, I'd be shocked if by 2024 there was a single two-team left in League One. Um, there's a number of independent teams on the horizon for League One, so it's not a matter of worrying about do you have your eight. They're going to have 10 or 11 independent teams next year, as I already announced, when you you include um, Fuego and you, um, you include uh, a couple of the others. The Portland's you know highly rumored. Yeah. Um, North so Colorado, I, yeah. Yeah. yeah Fort so, Bend. Is it Fort Bend, Indiana, that's also getting theirs? Uh. I know it's in, I know it's Indiana, but I don't think it's Fort Bend. Okay, uh, that's that's the one owned by Beasley, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, yeah, those are the three: the the Colorado um, in Fuego and on um, the Indiana team are the three for next year. And then there's a good chance that you'd have Portland coming in for 2023. Um, from everything I'm hearing, that's a high possibility. And then there's some other teams that have been rumored out there: High Point, North Carolina, um, built their stadium for minor league baseball, but they built it with dimensions to be able to get a, a true full um, soccer field in there. And they built it with separate uh, additional um, locker rooms. So it, it seems reasonable that that would come. Uh, who knows how much COVID affected that ownership group and being able to do that. Um, so there's a lot of other teams that are possibilities, but with no reason to continue down this road, because it looks like Ricky Ruiz is about to join us. Um, he's, a, he's, he's here. So um, I, I fail as a producer yet again. I do not have Ricky's um, stuff that you did all that hard work on ready for him. So uh, we're just going to jump right in because I'm terrible. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Ricky Ruiz. Glad to have you. Thanks for joining us. Game changer. Hey, Ricky. Can you guys hear me? We can oh, now. Yeah, we we can now. Yes. Can you hear me you, now? You are breaking up a bit. How you guys yeah, doing? we can hear. We're doing good. How you been doing, man? Okay. 
So uh, working. We've been working. I know we we've been can you watching you. Me? Yeah, uh, you cut out a little bit here and there, but uh, we can hear you now. Okay. All right. So this uh, so far, you've been really active. You've had a, a uh, such a prominent role in this team this year. Uh, would you say that um, your place in the team has improved as far as for how much you are a go-to player compared to last year? Sorry, can you can can you repeat that? Yes. Oh, would you say now this year? Would you say that your play has improved, has gotten better from last year? It's a bit different, obviously, because last year I I played a completely different uh, position. So last year I was more more defensively, and this year I I'm, I'm back to where I usually play where I've been playing all my life. So <laughs> I think so. It's a, I have to break that defensive. I have to break that defensive habit that I had all last year. And I, I think I'm, I think that goal that I had this past week is going to get, uh, give me that confidence that I need to, to attack more and improve even more throughout this season. So how, how good did it feel getting that header right there? Cause it was like right to you. It's like a birthday present. How did that feel? It it was great, even though it was right there in front. It could, as easy as it could be to make it, it can be just as easy to miss it if you overthink it. So um, it was good, though. It was good. I've been, I've been, me personally, I think I've been needing that that one goal to to get me going. So I think, hopefully, knock on wood, from from here on out, I'm gonna probably hit the score sheet more and more often now. So, so, Ricky, I'm not going to lie. I miss you at the left back spot because I always knew if they ever got a ball over top, you were going to track them down because <laughs> you have way more speed than the traditional fullback ever has. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, transitioning from forward to fullback, back to forward, what has been the hardest transition going back and forth between those two positions? Um, I would say more knowing, knowing your, I guess not knowing, but remembering your role. Um, obviously last year defensively, it was more of you win possession and you look, look to go forward. You don't necessarily dribble as much as you do up being up top. So this year, I feel like there's been many times in the first couple games that I've received the ball and I've gotten rid of it too soon where I can be dangerous instead. And and go at players and dribble and go one v ones and stuff like that. That's something that I wasn't used to doing last year. So I think it's a habit that I'm trying to break as I'm going, trying to get out of that left back mindset and transition into a into attacking mindset and getting more goals for the team. Now I notice you really have a knack for either finding an opening or creating an opening by your uh, by your play. So what's going through your mind to want to go ahead and break down a defense? Uh, obviously the, it's the, it's the style that we play. Um, obviously everyone knows that we're an attacking an offensive minded team. So when I find those pockets, the first thing that comes to mind is, can I turn? And if I can turn, can I go forward? And then after that is where decisions start making, whether I go one v one with somebody or I start or keep the ball instead, we don't always have to go forward. So I think it's just, no, I guess the first thing is go forward. Then after that, it would be can we keep it or is it really going to be to go forward and, and try and get a goal? It's just it's about picking and choosing when's the right time to go. All right. So one thing that us as fans don't really get great insight into is you guys at practice. So if, if coach puts you versus Marky in a one-on-one -on -one situation, who's, who's winning that battle? Who's in what position? So, uh, <laughs> Let's say you guys were. Let's say basically, and, and I, you know, I was a terrible soccer player when I was when I played. I played through high school. I was terrible. So let's do that situation where the coach basically says, he sets the ball out, gives you a go whistle. You have to go get it, control it, and 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 win the ball. Who's going to win it? And then and then if if it's if it's not you, if he wins it, 
Has he ever beaten you off the dribble with his ridiculous moves? That's the real question. Never. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I sat though. It may, it may happen where, where he can do his, the stuff he, he, he's good at and get passed, but if the ball gets passed, he's definitely not getting by. Now, at the Fort Lauderdale match, I had some special guests sit behind me. They came all the way from Ohio, but they used to live in Nashville, and he claimed to have been your uncle and Marky's uncle, and your cousins, I guess one used to be on the academy team uh, for Cincinnati or Columbus. And uh, But your, your uncle was there screaming. I think he said something that if you don't score – or no, if you don't get three points, you have to sleep on the bus. So is that guy really your uncle, or is that is was he just making the whole thing up? That I know of, me and Marky, maybe a reason why we're so connected. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like Jeff got played. That's what I heard. Sounds, uh, sounds a little bit like that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. They seem to know a lot about you guys because you're famous. Maybe that I mean, was it. I mean, to be fair, the punishment does it sounds pretty realistic because Mark and I have pretty high expectations for ourselves. So yeah, I wouldn't doubt that we deserve to sleep on the ground or sleep on the bus if we don't. <laughs> I, I wouldn't put it past Oblada to figure out a way to make that happen if you had missed that header. I'm just saying. Yeah, I no. probably California. If that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's a big advantage with playing with so many players you grew up with. And yet, even those other ones who've come into the team, if you weren't on the same team, were you around some of these other players that, that came in this year? I mean, uh, playing against them or? Yeah, there was. There's obviously the players that you guys are aware that I grew up playing with under Oblada. So yeah, yeah. Have that group. And then there's other players that. We either I either played with or played against. Like, for example, I played with Jose Carrera, but that wasn't in club. It was in um, PDL. Um, I played against other players, like the new signing that we just uh, signed today, Ray Ortiz. Uh, um, I played against him. I grew up, we're the same age group, so I didn't play with him. We got the chance to play against each other, and we played against each other so many times that we, we ended up connecting from before, um, before we met here. Um, there's other players that I played like Jimmy Villalobos and Jason Ramos that we played PBL together. Um, yeah. And it's either we've played against or we played with them. Um, but at some point, or we know players that have, have played with them and then we created relationships, even if we didn't face each other on the field. Um, but one way or another, there's some connection between most of us, most of us there on the team. And it's, it's good to, to have familiar faces because it just makes it, I guess it does. It won't take as long to build that chemistry because we've, we've, we've had it at some point in time and we all understand how we play and we know our roles and we know what each player is good at. So with being a return player and we had so many new players this year, do you kind of feel like you were able to show some of these new players the ropes as far as for how you do things in Chattanooga? Yeah, I think so. A lot of, a lot of the players that, that returned this year, which weren't many, um, we all knew the, the standard that, that the team had from last year and we we all know the standard that jimmy has and and uh and kevin and the, the staff has there so the good thing is that no one no one on the team this year came came in with thinking they were better than than the other everyone came with their feet feet on the ground and everyone was willing to get to work and everyone earned their own respect as a as preseason went by and we all we all built a, a good chemistry and a good friendship uh, real quick and you could definitely see that in, in you guys. Let me ask you this, as a player that, that did play with a number of the players last year, <laughs> is there one guy that you say to yourself, man, I, I wish I wish we still had him around, the impact that he had on the team. Um, is there someone that you could that you would say that about? I, I think um, there's several players. I feel last year is it it's a not a complete different team. There was a lot of other players that had different – different traits than the players we have this year um but i think everyone at some point had some characteristics that we we could have used this year um so it's it's not something that wasn't i guess irreplaceable um yeah there's there's some players that i guess 
we can use a little bit of something. In other words, we can use a little yeah. bit of, of everybody this year, but the players that we got this year have shown, have filled those roles at the same time. So I'm, I'm happy with the, with the team that we have this year and I'm, we're ready to get going. Awesome. Now as restrictions of getting more loose uh, on COVID and you're able to interact with the fans a little bit more uh, and then um, also we're able to pack the, the stadium. Have you been noticing the impact of having more fans there? And what have you noticed a difference in the fans this year? There's it's a complete different environment. If I'm being honest, it's just yeah. last year, last year, the fans were great. We considering that our games were at 1 p.m. That <laughs> it wasn't the funnest as a player to be on the field at 1 p.m. But for fans to still show up, we got a good amount and we, we were extremely thankful for them and their support. And they helped us out. As you guys can tell, last year we got a couple wins in the, towards the end of the last maybe five, ten minutes of the game. They, they pushed us, they kept us motivated, and they got us to the finish line. And then this year is just – it shows in the first two home games that we've had. We ended one, and we got the win in the last minute of the game. And then the last one, we we, we came back from a 1-0. We're trailing 1-0, and we came back, and we ended yeah. up winning the game. So it's it's a complete different environment, especially under the lights. I feel they may enjoy it even more considering that it's not as hot as it was last year. And <laughs> I just think they – they enjoy the the soccer that we have this year with with everyone on the team, and I think it's going to be a fun season for everyone to be coming out still. I think you'll really appreciate that in August when you're not playing in that heat. Yeah, <laughs> let's, let's be honest that that was torture for us in the in the stands. I couldn't imagine what it was like on the field. All right, so yeah. um, one of our our running sticks, one of our running bits that we do here is that we, it's basically it's usually three fat guys talking soccer, and we always talk about food. And so you're from Southern Cal, right? Yeah. And so my question is, what's the food that you miss the most from home? Oh, that, that, that's a tough, tough question. I mean, there's, there's sit down restaurants that would be go-tos. It's, I don't know. I'm not, it's not, I don't know how to put it. It's, it's something that when you're, when, when we're in the off season, it's, it's a little hard to try to go out. It's, I mean, it's easy to go out and try and eat something, but you got to stay disciplined. So sometimes you don't, you don't get to taste the foods that you really want. Um, and then after a while of not eating it, you kind of you're like, eh, if I lasted this long without having it. So. Yeah. So I don't say the same thing about it. I, I, I want to stop at in and out and get myself a double, double. I'm just saying. Um, so <laughs> no. I, I grew, I grew up in, I grew up in orange County. Um, and so I, I, there's lots of different places out there that I, yeah. that I miss. One of the biggest things for me that I miss is some of those um, side street taco places that you could just like hole in the wall, go get a real, like a real quality, true, like true taco. It's so hard to find here. Uh, yeah. so. That's funny because just today we, we've been talking about trying to find some spot to eat tacos because we haven't ate anything close to that in such a long time. So I would say if there's a spot that I'm, well, not a spot, but if there's a specific food, it would be tacos. But um, again, all the other spots like In and Out. When I was back home, I probably had it maybe once throughout the whole time, and we've had a long off season, so yeah, I didn't I, to have it only once. Now that I'm here, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you crave it, but it would, it's something that it's you can have all yeah. alternates to that. See, I can have as much as I want because I'm not a professional athlete, so. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> We're actually trying to find a taco spot at some point this afternoon, hopefully, just to see see what it's like. But we'll see how that goes for us. I, I wish you luck. Uh, there's there is like a hole in the wall place down in Dalton that when I worked down there, I found. I'll have to look it up for you and let you know because okay. um, there there is a couple good places down there that uh, it's just like they're they're not they're not well advertised, which is usually a good sign, right? Yeah. Um, so. So to flip Adam's question on its head, now that you're in the South, what's a food or a place to eat here that you never would have found in California that you like? Um, <laughs> there, that I would never find as far as, I don't know. They, they open up some spots right next to the stadium across the freeway. They have like uh, the Jonathan's, the new spot. Yeah. That's a good spot. You guys could, could check it out um, if you guys haven't already. Um, we recently tried uh, the spot um, called Drake's. 
It's uh, by Hamilton or in Hamilton. Um, Is it Canadian food? No. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> oh, uh, just, good uh, reference to Drake. Well done. I'm trying to be with it with the kids. So. <laughs> yeah. Senior correspondent <laughs> with, the, with the joke. Well done. Am I, am I hashtagging? Okay. <laughs> oh, well done. There, All right, there. so last question for you, Ricky, before we let you go. Yeah. Um, how many goals should we expect from you as, as we head down to Tormenta this weekend? We want you to torment them. <laughs> how many goals do you want this weekend? Yeah, yeah, this weekend. I want you're all the goals. You're playing yeah. a team that is one in six, so it's yeah. not too much to ask. It's not, but those are also the hardest teams you can possibly play because – there's a lot of stuff that goes in the, the mental aspect of that. Um, yeah. But we're, this whole week we've been preparing for a, for a strong-minded team and a, a team that's going to look for that one opportunity that's going to that's gonna put us down. So we're, we've been working extremely hard to, to not let that happen. But I'd say to be two goals. Two goals. Two there goals. we go. I'll take two, it. Two that's, I'll take the brace. I'll take yep. it. We'll take it there. So, all right. So, hey, we appreciate it. You, it, when I met you first time, uh, it was at one of the practices. You were playing a, a smaller team, and we we talked on video. You probably had no idea you yep. were going to be on YouTube, and I asked what you wanted to be named as forever as, and so you wanted to be known as a game changer. So I've been using that as a nickname. Now I did notice listening uh, to uh, ESPN, the announcer kept referring to you as Ricardo. So I wonder, did you talk to the announcer ahead of time saying, hey, my friends call me Ricky. You call me Ricardo or Mr. Ruiz. Is that what happened? <laughs> no one ever calls me that. No, I'm <laughs> so I that fit, just so you know, Ricky, that fits USL League One broadcasting to a T. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you again for joining us, Ricky, and uh, have a great evening. Thank you and so go much. Give, give us those two goals on Saturday. We're looking two forward goals. to it. Two goals. You're All up right. for it. I'll back on the interview, and then we'll discuss that, how that went. Perfect. All right. We'll do thanks, that. Ricky. All, All right. right. Thanks. Ricky Ruiz. Ricardo. Right. He's Start, never called. Started off a little rough. I was worried we weren't going to get the good connection. Yeah, but uh, Hey, that was, an, that was an honor of Alex. The bad audio <laughs> was the spirit of Fortney coming through uh, and filtering for us. But that's that's probably really, really accurate. So we are already at the 49-minute mark. As yeah. predicted, we talked for an extended period of time. Never fails. It's a, it's a bad skill. So I want to jump into this new player that we've been talking about that okay. Ricky kind of mentioned. And I think, you know, we've got a lot of other stuff that's on our list, but Let's go there. Let's talk about the new player that was announced today. I think his contract was actually signed a, a little while ago because if you go to his Twitter feed, he's got a contract locked up on the 28th of May. But announced today. So what do you, what do you know about him? I'm going I'm to share what you've got here for us. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's Ray Ortiz, uh, born in Acapulco, but grew up in Southern California. Shocker. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Uh, he... Uh, also had spent some time in the Portland area. Uh, so he was in the LA Galaxy Academy, but then he went to, to University of Portland where he played for the Pilots, did rather well for himself at the Pilots. Also in the offseason was with the Timbers U23, uh, sorry, uh, the under-23s. But this is what's interesting. I don't think we've had a player had this. He was drafted. He got on the MLS draft. I think he was drafted number 23. Uh, for Cincinnati, and uh, but like two weeks later, he was sent out on loan to the Charlotte Independence, and that was last year over in Championship. So, so th this is very simple. Uh, this is very similar to Second Dietrich, which is how I refer to all the Dietrichs as by what well, first Dietrich, second Dietrich, third Dietrich. Um, so this is very similar to Second Dietrich in Nashville uh, SC of MLS, correct? Well, it, in as far as his career path. But one of the things the difference is he's been out through there, and Ricky Ruiz just confirmed he has been out there playing with some of these guys already. So I think that's going to be a big factor. Now, 
I see on here, now I've seen him listed either as a forward, I've seen him listed as a winger, but most, most, mostly he's, he's uh, showing as an attacking midfielder or a central midfielder. When I look here at his uh, Wikipedia page, because Wikipedia is always accurate. Always. Uh, last year, yeah, last year he did get a goal at the Independence. Uh, he played 16 matches. Uh, he wasn't, even though he was signed to Cincinnati, he didn't play in Cincinnati at all. Uh, he did okay at the at the Timbers, but where he did very well was at the college level, the Portland Pilots. So we're going to see what he brings. Obviously, with him going, I mean, actually, I think I have the Cincinnati. Yeah, this is from the MLS team. This is the announcement of him being signed. He was the 29th pick in the 2020 MLS Super Draft. So uh, that's pretty highly rated. So I. Uh, uh, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty confident I'm I'm feeling pretty good about him as a signing. So I, I gotta believe that the reason that he's here is because Ami Pineda is unfortunately not in a position where he's going to be coming back. Um, it doesn't seem like this year, and he's going to fill that role that we that was imagined for Ami. Um, does that seem fair to you? Like yeah. Assessment. Looking at where he's played and where his strengths are, he's either going to be playing that attacking midfielder uh, spot uh, where Ami was, or he's going to be playing as a winger and and having someone else shift in there. I don't. Looking at who we have, I don't think we're going to see him too much as winger. I do think he's going to be as attacking midfielder or central midfield. Okay. Um, where. Do you see him as somebody who's going to be another off the bench type player, or does you see him slotting in in place of someone? And if so, who do you think there you, you think he would be doing that to? Well, that's going to be hard to say. Uh, it might make a shift and allow other. What what it might do is allow uh, Ramos to shift to the back, and so if you move another player back. Um, like you've got some players who are doing very well. Jimmy Villalobos has shown to be very adaptable. I yeah. don't think Garcia is losing his spot. I think uh, Garcia has been such a revelation. Even though you're not seeing the stats, you could tell his leadership. Our captain is there, and he, you could see the results there. I don't think he's moving. Um, he could get. Uh, he could be off to, to to the left and Jimmy shift back a little bit. So Ramos gets back to the back line. That's what could be. But I suspect, at least for the first couple of matches, he's going to come off the bench. Yeah, um, that makes sense to me. So, yeah, so I, I'm excited to have him here. Uh, I tried to try to find some highlights of him, watched a few little highlights of him. The big thing for me, and you brought that article up earlier, which was the press release that Cincinnati had done, where, it's, where they talked about him earning his spot both with his professionalism on and off the, the the pitch. And I think that speaks a lot to the type of player that that Obleda wants on this team. He fits that mold of a hard worker who's going to earn where he's at and have a drive. And so I'm excited about about what he can bring and, and looking to see what that what that does for our team. Yeah, I think that echoes what we're hearing again and again about what makes this year's different is there is that increased hunger, but yet it's also that focus that uh, keeping your attention on the pitch and not what you're doing, not waiting for the time to run out so you can get somewhere else. So um, it's not there for it's, – it's, it's, it's not something to do in, in between bar jumps. It's a thing where you're going there yeah. and this is your job. And this is your – not just a job. It has to be your, your – I think to be an Oblata player, this has to be your passion. Yeah, I think that's fair. So let's let's transition. Like I said, I don't want to go too long. So um, I, I want to prove that we can do this and, and we don't talk forever. We got a game coming up. It's on the road yes. down in Statesboro. Um I mentioned to Ricky in our interview, they are one and six. And I loved his answer about the fact that those can be the scariest teams. Mm -hmm. um, what is your first thoughts when it comes to this upcoming game? Well, first of all, I think that I'm surprised that Tormenta is this low. I'd expected them to be in mid table or maybe the, or the, or the lower part, but not at, at, 
at where they are. I think they've got in the standings there at um, 11 of 12. They've got just three points, but North Carolina, who only has one point, is like us, has only played four matches. If, if I look at the power rankings, and I've got these up here, uh, they are they are dead last and have been dead last for a while. And so they've not really had, I think, a big threat. I had looked on here. So if you see their, their games, there's some of them are kind of tight, but there's a few that are, you know, losing 2-0 uh, to Union Omaha, 2-0 to the kickers. Um, one three to forward Madison. So it's not just one goal losses. Yeah. The only win they had was a three one, which was uh, uh it was at home uh, against FC Tucson, uh, who's also struggling. So, but I mean, as it stands right now, uh, Fort Lauderdale got a win off of them. Um, of course, Union did. Uh, kickers did a, a commanding one. North Texas did. Uh. Greenville surprisingly was only a one nil win at South Georgia. Madison, which was their last game, it was last Saturday. That was the one that was three one, and I think that the the uh, that's the second time that they have lost three one. Yeah, but that that three one loss is an interesting. It's an interesting loss because they were up one nothing yeah. in that game. Um, I believe so. And, and so, why I find that. I guess so so interesting is that that shows that they have the ability to get up but they, to lose 3-1 when going up one nothing and to lose with goals scored all in the second half including two basically back to back the 49th minute and the 54th minute that says to me this is a team that once they got scored on they just really dropped so I say one of the biggest things for us is that Ricky gets one of those two goals that he says he's going to get early in the game and just kind of set the tone uh, because I think if we set the tone uh, early on, this is when you when you're one and six, and if you go down early, it's easy to lose your head. But if they go up, um, yeah, that that would scare me because that that can do this exact opposite for our team to say, wait, we're losing here. You start to panic, you start to press, you start to do things you really shouldn't be doing. And I'm not talking his normal press. I'm talking about you know forcing right. the balls and things like that. Um, yeah, so this is a trap game. This is a game that worries me. So let's go to the painful predictions. What are you expecting? I'm expecting even if they get up ahead at early on, our team has had so much resolve on closing and finishing. I'm pretty confident even if we get – it's like when our team gets behind, they see it as a challenge. So I I don't think that's going to throw them off. Uh, I'm seeing those 1-3, and that's – kind of where I'm at, but you know what? I'm thinking it's going to be a 2-0 because I think we're going to get a clean sheet against them. They have had a difficulty scoring goals um, and they've not defended well. So I'm thinking, and I'm being actually pretty conservative. I'm going to say nil 2 Okay, so, you, so you're giving Ricky two goals on, only. Got it. Um, so I'm not nearly as confident, and here's why. Ford beat them 3-1, but it's. I think that third goal was more of a they just they just let down at that point. Um, they lost the win in their sails. Um, Greenville only beat them one nothing, and I think Greenville's a strong team. Um, this is their third home game in a row, so they've been home for a while. They're well rested. Uh, they're they're getting a, a you know a full week's rest. There's no midweek game in there. Um, we are traveling down there. Granted, it's it's if it's not our shortest, it's. Second shortest. Second, second shortest, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Greenville's kind of – got to make a left when you get to Atlanta versus going straight down. Like, I, they're pretty darn close in their distances. Yeah. I think it's probably like, what, a 30 or 40-mile difference at most. Um, I'm probably way off. It's probably like 100. But um, it worries me. So here's my prediction. 2-1 squeaker. Hmm. I think uh, – I think Kind of like one, the last two matches. Yeah, I, that's my prediction. Um, last match I predicted a 2-1 game, but the wrong direction. This one I am predicting that we win, um, but I think it's going to be another late goal, and uh, I would not be shocked if that late goal um, comes in like after the 85th minute. Like it's just been that's just where we're at until Rafa's back and fully back. I just don't know that we have what we need to finish. Um, as much as I've enjoyed watching Ricky, I miss him as a left back. Just being honest, yeah. I think I mm -hmm. think he's done well, but he has done amazing, and I just don't. I would love to see 
uh, maybe prove wrong and that you're right that 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 goal that header gets him off the off the cuff and he goes out and just destroys it. But yeah, two one squeaker. Um, wouldn't be surprised if Marky Hernandez is the one that gets to that because uh, their back line did not look super strong in the last two matches, um, and I think Marky will be able to to really make him look bad in the second half. Well, I think Marky has, yeah, has that ability to, to make people look bad. But I still think that Ricky has a similar quality as Marky as far as for finding ways to frustrate them. And then the other team, if if the goal doesn't come from directly, the other team at least has to change and adapt, which creates an opening. And so that's one of the things I really – I like him in that position. I think we would feel better if we had someone on the left side, and I'm trying to call out, but – that could be more to get to the level that Ricketts is at as our right back. So if we had that, I think you would feel more comfortable. But, but who is that on this roster? Like that's, that's the that's, thing. Like that's why I like Ricky back there because. Uh, yeah. Because well, that's no. who he was. Yeah. Well, no, we, we trust he could do it. It's not the position he feels he plays the best or is most comfortable with, but yeah. I, I, I do think that is something to come. And, um, I wonder if with getting a few, you know, these last few players back healthy, and I think the key is getting Ramos back where Ramos really should be playing. That yeah. gets a lot of these guys back through there. I honestly, my ideal right now would be Ramos and Luna in the back and either Navarro or Sebastian or um, Esparza off to that left back. But one of them I, I think if they decide, hey, I'm going to make the left back position mine, and I'm going to, and I'm going to keep up with Ricketts and face that that same level of quality. Obviously, don't mirror him, but yeah. as far as for if one of those players catches on to that and makes that position their own, they're. I, I think it's we're, we're going to be a lot more dangerous. Yeah, no, I, I I completely agree with you, and I I I think. Um... That's the key. Someone has to solidify themselves on the left. Once that happens and you get – I personally think it, it it's going to be Navarro and um, uh, Ramos in the middle, but it, you know you might be right. Maybe it, it is Luna and Ramos, but um, yeah, it's, it's it's theirs to take. If, if yeah. one of them steps up and says, you know, this is mine, whether it's Sebastian or if it's Jonathan as far as uh, whoever it is, if they really step up and show it, this coach has shown he's going to stick with a hot hand. So yeah. they oh, need yes. To- yes. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I like the idea of Navarro and Ramos. And actually, Luna could be the one that is our left back because he's got some yeah. speed to him. Uh, we just got to get him back healthy. Uh, he's yep. been... He's been, I think, one of the I think one of the better signings for our, on our uh, defense. So I, I want him back there somewhere. All right, so last segment. We normally end our shows or have for a, a while now with a Biggles Wade report, but I believe uh, you have something you have something different for us. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, uh, Biggles Wade obviously uh, is usually covered by uh, our man uh, Alex, who is out today, and um, this is for you, Alex. Uh, so we're not going to cover uh, Biggles Wade. I will mention uh, that the that the Lady Wolverhampton Wanderers was able to get their appeal. You know, Alex had mentioned I think it was uh, Biggles Wade United was yeah. not able to get their appeal to be able to uh, get promoted, even though they normally would have. Because I there's just some factors there. The, the Wolverhampton Wanderers women were in the same situation. They've been playing in the uh, Women's National League uh, Division One for a while. The uh, season got abandoned. They got the appeal, and they are now promoted to the FA Women's uh, Championship, and I believe that's the second level. So they're going from the third level on the tier to the second level on the tier. So good for them. The other interesting thing is uh, uh, one team we've mentioned on a few times, uh, of course, we're having the international break. So this is international friendly, but we saw uh, two of the uh, the physically smallest teams – in Europe, Switzerland being a bully, flexing its muscles seven nil against Liechtenstein, and so um, now I think uh, with the Liechtenstein team, it's m- m- most famous for the Frick connections. There's a whole family of Fricks that have 
always, it's like, there's always must be a Frick. And there's like three players who are brothers and they're coached by their dad who used to be a player with his brothers and his uncles in the past. So, but that wasn't enough. And so, yeah, you had seven. Uh, I think it's, um, it's, uh, it just wasn't pretty. So when Switzerland, who's not known for being combative is, is beaten up on you, it's not a good day in Liechtenstein, which ironically, uh, as a country, the protection, since Liechtenstein doesn't have its own army, it, it relies on Switzerland to uh, protect it. So, <laughs> wow. That's, Someone just stole someone's lunch money. That's all I'm saying. Wow. Well done. All right. Well, I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else for us, Jeff? Uh, I probably will, but we'll take up a lot of time. Hey, uh, the U.S. men's national team, uh, they're playing, I think, right now. Let me check really quick on the score before we head out. No, yeah, they're playing at the CONCACAF national teams against Hondo. And right now, it is nil-nil. And did you see? Did you see? Did you see? This is for Alex. He hasn't done anything yet, but uh, Pilsek is on the team. So Did, did he get the – did he get – he had the start – he, has, yeah, he, 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 he got a start. Hey, hey so uh, does Stefan. Look at that. You're not yeah. only in the Champions League losing and sitting on the bench. You got to start. So well done. That's well done. Well done. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, that, that's going to end our show. Thank you guys for listening or watching if you watch this on YouTube. Um, and, uh, and with that, bye. Bye.